Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, the Premier League is back. We're settled in now. Therefore, the Naughty's Nostalgia is alive and well on this. The What If Football podcast here on Sports Social Podcast Network, of course. This is another review of a Premier League season. It's 2001-2. Can Manchester United win four in a row? Or will there be someone to scupper that bid? Let's find out. Yes, as I mentioned, we are on the Sports Social Podcast Network each and every single Wednesday. Get it in your diaries up until the World Cup, where we'll have uh, quite the treat for you. But that's for November. That's for November. Of course, we are on Patreon five days a week with articles, mailbags of what-if scenarios of alternate football universes, and of course, some podcasts thrown in for good measure. Just a quid a month. Get it locked in if you like. If you don't like... Keep it here on Spot Social Podcast Network, also YouTube as well, every single day, as we always do. So, 2001-2002 season. Not a good time to be a Midlands club, as we'll start off. Leicester City, a bit of a disaster from start to finish here today. Um, we have, of course, Martin O'Neill. He's in the rearview mirror, unfortunately. Leicester fans begged him to stay in 2000 and 1999. He did do won the League Cup again with the Foxes. An incredible time of it, perhaps. The best time that they would have until, of course, the obvious somewhere down the line, but uh, that is for another day, of course. Here, though, it is Peter Taylor. Bit of a disaster. Um, they shipped five goals on the opening day. So Bolton shipped another four goals the following week. 
but did get a good Derby win over, of course, Derby. Uh, unfortunately, though, they would not continue that form prior to Christmas. Uh, two other wins prior to the big day. So that's three wins from the opening half of the season. That's when you know you're in trouble, really. They never really got thrashed, though, obviously, apart from the opening two games of the season. It was always one goal wins, two goal wins. They just don't have the quality to secure a win. And, and crucially, really, what you need to do when you're around this sort of neck of the woods in terms of the league is to pick up a point here and there, even if it's just a, a draw away or a draw at home, which teams like Leicester at the bottom of the table, they desperately need. They desperately needed Martin O'Neill, to be honest. And Peter Taylor didn't last too much longer. He was gone by the end of September. And Dave Bassett was in temporarily. He would be in until April the 8th, um, by which point he moves upstairs to a head of football role. And Mickey Adams is the one led with uh, taking them down. There's no chance of them getting promoted, uh, staying up rather, which is a promotion, I guess, um, by April the 8th. He does take them to an undefeated final four games, winning one, drawing three. But by that point, Leicester take their spots alongside well, themselves in 95, Ipswich in 95, Swindon in 94, and and Bradford in um, in 2001, Watford in 2000, I guess, as well, as one of the worst teams on record in terms of the Premier League. Now that record would be broken and broken quite uh, prolifically as we move through these episodes, these season reviews of the Premier League, but uh, stick around for those in the coming weeks. So we mentioned last week that Derby County were looking increasingly poor and they were, despite reaching 42 points the prior season, which is usually a, usually the, the landmark for being safe in the Premier League, and they were quite comfortably. Um, they were 17th and it was Jim Smith's time coming to an end on October the 7th after just one win from seven games and just five goals from those seven games as well. They were crying out for a centre-forward. Obviously, they'd lost... Paolo Wontrop, they were resting all their hopes on. Malcolm Christie, they'd also sold prior top goal scorer a couple of seasons prior. Rory DeLapp and Seth Johnson for 11 million. They'd not really replaced them either. They'd got in Fabrizio Ravinelli, but this is 2001. He was, he's not the Juventus Champions League winner in 96. He's not even the Middlesbrough player of the season after. And um, they do get out of the relegation zone in November with a 1-0 win over Southampton. But again, like Leicester, Derby suffer from the problem that is a severe lack of draws. From October 28th to March the 3rd, they don't draw. They do win six, but they don't supplement that with uh, points here and there, which look after the pennies, the pounds take care of themselves, I guess is a, a phrase that I suppose you could loosely attribute with this sort of phenomenon of um, not drawing points, not drawing games and just winning and obviously losing a lot more than what you win. And essentially this is why Derby are, were in the mess that they were in and they're still not out of it by the time that they beat newly promoted Bolton 3-1. They pick up one point from their final eight games and that's obviously good night Vienna relegation form. Colin Todd will go down as essentially one of the worst Premier League managers on record. John Gregory couldn't save them, of course, and exactly like Coventry the prior season, exactly like Bradford the season before that, and exactly like Wimbledon the season before that, these relegations are all fairly well telegraphed. Now, of course, in Leicester City's case, that is a managerial change, which does for them, and like the next team, 
far from telegraphed. Ipswich join Derby, join Leicester in the Football League. Quite a historic first season back. And this is where I first start to hear as a young lad about second season syndrome. A lot of money spent by the Tractor Boys as they prepare to welcome the likes of Ronaldo in the UEFA Cup and Inter Milan. But going out in the last 32, understandably really. Um, but that that was almost a blessing in disguise. It helped Ipswich distract. No distractions now. It helped them concentrate on the Premier League for what was the final six months of the season. So there's no excuses really. Unfortunately though, there's teams like players like Richard Wright, James Scowcroft, not properly replaced after being sold to Leicester and Arsenal and they've only won just one game before Christmas week and you could attribute that I guess to European distractions but this is the UEFA Cup in its knockout round guys it's not six group games that you've got to fulfill it's six they did play six games yes they're all knockout games so it's essentially it could have been over within the first two but still, Inter Milan is where it ends for Ipswich and unfortunately, kind of an inverse of their previous season, a great mid-part to the season. Now, we charted their course last season, last week of the 2000-2001 Premier League season. They had a bit of a wobble in January and February and you think maybe they're you know, sort of stepping aside for the, for the bigger clubs who were uh, ultimately finishing beneath them as they find a second wind here this would their own, be their only bit of form but outside of that Christmas burst these two wins either side of it they couldn't do what Bradford did in 2000 by beating Liverpool to survive unfortunately for Ipswich that was at Anfield whereas Bradford had home advantage back in the day to uh, secure survival they did have a chance to uh, usurp 17th place Sunderland which again was a not well telegraphed um, bit of a diving form but again like Sunderland they looked like they would be of the ilk of Derby Coventry Wimbledon Bradford which will continue to reel off these names of a well telegraphed exit now we look at the relegated names that we've got here today we've got Leicester we've got Derby and we've got Ipswich Ipswich unfortunately haven't been back they were reaching a record breaking stay in the second tier where they Obviously, despite a couple of playoff campaigns, a couple of near misses in terms of Premier League promotion, but ultimately haven't been back in the subsequent 20 years and, of course, now find themselves in the third tier, um, ending nearly two decades. It was about eight, 17, 18 years their time in the Championship doing little to nothing in there. Very rarely being threatened by relegation up until, obviously, the end and... Um, couple of rolls of the dice in the playoffs but uh, not too much success there they've not been back Derby of course have quite famously in the 2007-8 season and for more on that we'll uh, we'll cover that before Christmas I promise in terms of Leicester they of course have been back they're currently in the Premier League enjoying their greatest ever period it is fairly safe to say but they would be back even sooner before then but uh, again that's one for another day a bit a bit more uh bit more uh, soon than uh, Derby's return. They will, we'll discuss them later on this month, in fact. Regardless, we'll move to a third season syndrome almost. Sunderland. Plenty of money spent by Sunderland as they were looking to retain their third successive seventh place finish and just ask Wolves how hard that is to do. It's a bit of an inconsistent start, but then again, they were inconsistent in the first two seasons. 
sometimes. Top half still though by January and it's it look as, looks as though it's going to be the same again. Um, a second half of the season though, it's a bit of a shocker. Their only wins come against the fellow bottom five, Derby, Bolton, Leicester. And their descent into 17th is complete with no wins from the final five games. You've got Niall Quinn playing his last season for the club, so he'll definitely need to be replaced. He is in his uh, last season with just six goals in the Premier League, but then again, he was more of a more of a, uh, a sister to Kevin Phillips rather than the uh, the scorer there. And as we mentioned, maybe in a bit of bit of bother, but Peter Reid, great manager for Sunderland, see if he can uh, see if he can uh, rekindle something into the 2002-3 season. I'm not holding out much hope. Regardless, we've got a name back in the big time for the first time since 1998. Bolton Wanderers and some absolute huge hallmarks for Sam Allardyce's team, obviously. Kicking off like a house on fire by beating Leicester City at Filbert Street 5-0. They went and beat Liverpool as well. They went and won at Old Trafford and were top after seven games. Briefly, briefly. Um, but by November, the, uh, the honeymoon phase was over. They'd gone 12 games winless and um, pulled clear with wins over the likes of Ipswich, Charlton, Aston Villa in March and April. They did show promise. They picked up some incredible points against some big teams and uh, put in some very good performances. Um, so you think maybe it might not be more... It might be more of a Coventry, Southampton, a long stay rather than the likes of Ipswich, Sunderland, Bradford, who stay for a couple of seasons, shine brightly, but... Uh, bomb out of the league quite quickly but we'll see of course in the coming weeks on the what if football podcast let's go to the mid table everton they bid goodbye to walter smith david moyes of course securing four wins necessary for survival 15th place decent enough foundations and uh, we'll see what moyes can bring in his second season his first full season at the club Charlton, they couldn't reach the heights of the previous season. That's only really thanks to a poor end. Winless eight games where they only picked up three points, so lost their top half status. A big name back in the big time, Fulham. They spent an incredible amount for a promoted club, of course, the likes of Edwin van der Sar being one of the hallmarks. Louis Sahara, of course, as well. Better first half than the second half. Always safe, really, in 13th place. A very good foundation for a team like Fulham. See if they can kick on and get into that top half next season. Middlesbrough, they bookended their season with four losses to start and four losses to end. Pretty typical Middlesbrough season there under Steve McLaren. And Southampton, well, they've never had it so good, really, since probably the 70s or 80s. Uh, Gordon Strachan took over in October, seemingly immune from any criticism after taking Coventry down the prior year. And he'd only lost eight games since August to the end of the season, which for a team like Southampton in mid-table, very, very good season, good foundations. For a team now plying their trade at St. Mary's, of course. Blackburn Rovers, they had quite a good season. Solid in mid-table, League Cup win, of course, as well. Matt Janssen banging in the goals, earning himself an England cap. Did flirt with relegation, but a strong enough end after, of course, imbued by that League Cup win, sees them safe and in mid-table. Tottenham brought in some big club, big experience. Teddy Sheringham, Gus Poye stayed between 6th to 9th from October. Strongest uh, season for a while from Spurs under Glenn Hoddle. See what they can do. Following season looks like a good uh, springboard to uh, maybe a return to Europe. Uh, Aston Villa, again low-key, but um, in change of management from John Gregory to Graham Taylor. Survived that transition well and look as though they're in pretty good shape ahead of the 2002-03 season. Likewise, West Ham, again, 
surviving a bit of a managerial transition from Harry Redknapp to Glenn Roder. You've got the partnership of Jermaine Defoe and Freddie Canute blossoming superbly, Paolo Di Canio as well. Still in form. Bit of a big uh, turnover as well, with Frank Lampard leaving the club as well as his uncle, the manager there. But uh, in Don Hutchison, in Thomas Repka, they've got a couple of harder men. They've got David James coming in in net as well. So the skies are looking pretty good for West Ham as we enter the 2002-03 season. More on that one next week, I'm sure. And we'll go to the top six as ever for our race for Europe and the title race after this short break. Welcome back. It's Chelsea. It's 2001-2002. Of course, we're going to have to discuss Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank and not quite following shortly after Ida Goodjonsson. And I would say that this is the the season of uh, the Premier League's experimentation with the big six because we do have six credible teams here to uh, get into the Champions League. I would say we've got maybe five credible title challenges if the uh, the juggernaut of Manchester United can be stopped, which we will be discussing at length, of course, later on. Um, Chelsea, in terms of the big six these days, they are probably in the top half of that big six. Here, though, they're probably the runt of the litter. You've got Leeds who are easily, comfortably bigger than them in terms of uh, performance, in terms of... It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Business end of the season. Big game experience. Potential title challenges, which Chelsea haven't really done since 1999. In the meantime, Leeds have been incredible. Nearly won the Champions League, of course, which cannot be forgotten. Um, Chelsea have added big in the summer. Frank Lampard is still to properly get going, but he's... uh, Joined by John Terry, of course, a graduate of the academy system and alongside the likes of Hasselbank and Good Johnson. Comfortable sixth place. They do draw too many in the first half of the season. They are hard to beat, but Claudio Ranieri's got um, got something in place here. It, it permeates throughout the, the second half of the season. A lot too many draws, but again, unspectacular from Chelsea, really. They are just treading water almost, it seems. See if Ranieri can improve them the following season. It is a big six, but as we'll mention with Leeds, perhaps there's a window opening ever so slightly. Leeds splurged 20 million on the likes of Seth Johnson, Robbie Fowler. They desperately need to bridge that gap between fourth and third. But thankfully, England are now afforded four places in the Champions League. So all Leeds essentially need to do is replicate their previous season, finishing fourth, and they will be in with... Champions League football again, if obviously they can qualify through the uh, 
the qualifying round, of course. They were certainly on for that Champions League qualification, certainly on for a bit of a title race, really, but a horrific first two months of 2002 kills that title race off, essentially shipping seven goals against Newcastle across two defeats was the difference in the end between Champions League football a continuation of the trajectory that they were on with their spending, with their obviously world-class players and world-class manager by this point, I would stretch to say, and UEFA Cup financial destitution and, well, we'll see in the coming weeks what happens with them. Uh, one point in four games against Newcastle, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool changes things completely. It's really that that jump that uh, Leeds had suffered from probably less so in the past two seasons, but here really it's uh, quite obvious that um, games against the huge teams, they are just not at that level, unfortunately. You just can't take the step up and routinely defeat the bigger teams. You see in a 4-3 loss against Man United in March, again, another difference maker. In terms of the league leaders at Christmas, well, it was Newcastle United. Alan Shearer was back in form, back in the goals, back away from the treatment room. And you see here with Sir Bobby Robson, the beginnings of the team was signed. Craig Bellamy up front, Lauren Robert out wide and Jermaine Genus in the middle. Um, they were, as they were the previous year, inconsistent in the autumn, going on a, a win-loss, win-loss sort of run from September the 15th to October the 27th, which doesn't sound too bad, but it's about seven or eight games in that in that run. But finally in December, they proved their title worth really in in December, successive away wins at Highbury first, scoring three times, and at Elland Road um, winning 4-3. And that is essentially the, the steam that Robson, that Newcastle need to uh, challenge for the title. And unfortunately, their time at the top's curtailed, first of all, with a loss against Chelsea. And then successive losses in March to Arsenal and Liverpool officially kills off that dream but in remaining undefeated after that Newcastle seal a return to the Champions League of course something that hasn't been achieved since the 1997-98 season when they qualified in second place thankfully because of the expansion of the Champions League to 24 teams otherwise this would have been their very first campaign in the Champions League now of course we've covered Newcastle's time of it in uh, Le Grande's keeps of um, podcast episodes gone by but this is really a, a great time for Newcastle, great time for Sir Bobby Robson as well in the, the twilight of his career. And we go to Liverpool, who make up the top four rather more comfortably this time. Their season, though, is understandably stop-start in all competitions, really. They return to the Champions League, of course. It's stop-start because of Gerard Houllier's illness. And Phil Thompson, in between, is the caretaker manager between October and March, and uh, either side of that sort of mini reign, Gerard Houllier only oversees from the touchline three Premier League losses all season. So essentially, their middle part of the former slump, understandable really, with the assistant manager taking the taking the team. Without that, Liverpool could have seriously challenged their second half of the season. Form was immense. Obviously, that's got a lot to do with the psychological boost of the manager returning, losing one in seventeen. Did the double over Manchester United and that's essentially what sneaks Liverpool from third into second. And if you think about what the way the title race was in between, really, it was United and Arsenal. But it was Man United's mistake, really, allowing Sir Alex Ferguson to announce his retirement perhaps had an effect 
on the players. And I wouldn't say they would be down in tools or anything like that, but uh, psychologically, subconsciously, maybe uh, things changed a little bit in the dressing room. Either way, though, the U-turn of uh, Ferguson postponing his retirement sparked an incredible surge in form. They'd go from ninth, which they were prior to Christmas, which is, in my young Manchester United supporting uh, history, was the worst form I've ever seen them. And uh, they would obviously then go to first. It was all changed at the club, going to a more European three midfield, 4-4-1-1, I suppose you could um, describe it as. Juan Seba Veron was in, Ruud van Nistelrooy was in after the uh, protracted signing there. They didn't quite click because there wasn't that same understanding when Veron and Keane or Veron and Scholes played in the eight positions and obviously changing the team and it's a bit of a transitional time. It was a poor first half of the season for United and a needless loss at home to Middlesbrough followed into a match against Arsenal which essentially ends United's title race and Four in a row it is never destined to happen, is it, in England? We've seen it most recently on the continent, happening a plenty, getting up to double figures in some instances in terms of consecutive league wins. But not not in England, the record here is three. That's because Arsenal, well, they started the season in no real different shakes than the prior two seasons when they were humiliated. 18 points was a difference in second place in 2010, the difference in 2001, but that didn't really tell the whole story. Three defeats before Christmas, all at home. We've spoke about the Newcastle one. And six draws on top of that had Arsenal. They were in the Champions League spots, but they were firmly third place. Then, though, they went on the rampage. And winning against huge teams, they'd performed the uh, four points against Liverpool. They'd beat Leeds, they'd beat Chelsea. And then just dropped two points at home to Southampton, of all teams. And obviously, they were breaking all kinds of records. They'd be unbeaten away from home. The only thing, the only teams that could... Uh, Replicate that, of course, Arsenal uh, in a couple of years' time. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has Manchester United way into the future. But uh, that'll be a couple of years away on this podcast, I'm sure. Anyway, Arsenal were just smashing all kinds of records. You've got Freddie Lundberg, who was immensely important to Arsenal of previous seasons. He's one of their most important players. Now you've got Dennis Bergkamp scoring the incredible goal against Newcastle, of course. You've got Thierry Henry, who by this point is the best player in the league, it has to be said. And Robert Perez is finding his feet. So too Sylvain Wiltos. So it takes a bit of uh, maturing from new signings and you see Ashley Cole is coming to the fore at left back. You have got Sol Campbell, of course, which is the easily the signing of the season. He comes in with uh, Tony Adams, and you see that back line slightly regenerating. You've got Lauren, who signed the prior year, Ashley Coley, Academy graduate. Sol Campbell in there as well, and you've got Tony Adams, who is the, the mainstay, David Seaman, of course, as well. Those two would be replaced soon, and uh, we'll be discussing that in the coming weeks. I'm absolutely certain of that. They weren't as defensively astute as they had been in prior years, maybe because it is because of all this change in the back line. Essentially, only Tony Adams um, was a starter at the team as opposed to maybe even two years prior. Ashley Cole, of course, he would come into his own. Sol Campbell is uh, locked in immediately as a world-class centre-back and coming in for free, especially from Tottenham Hotspur, uh, caused a bit of a spark. But he's probably the difference, really, when you think about it, as the um, you know the the catalyst for ending this Manchester United dominance. And whilst they weren't as defensively astute, I'm only uh, comparing that to Arsenal teams of the past, which were 
just monsters at defence in defending the uh, Brook. All kinds of defensive records in coming second in the 98-99 season, conceding less than 20 goals, which has only been coming here really once and we'll be, of course, discussing that in the coming weeks with uh, a certain Jose Mourinho team. But here in the second half of the season, they just locked themselves into a groove, winning game after game after game, obviously topping it with the FA Cup. Thierry Henry bagging 32 goals in all competitions. And when you've got a striker like that, you've very rarely failed to make the uh, make it into a title race, of course. Sylvain Wiltard, of course, scoring the ever-important goal against Manchester United at Old Trafford, the game which sealed the Premier League title for Arsenal, Arsene Wenger's second title and of course back in 1998 it was teamed off with a double with a 1-0 win over Newcastle in the FA Cup final here it was Ray Parler it was uh, a 2-0 win over Chelsea Ray Parler of course famously scoring a hat-trick in this season as well which is uh, an incredible feat for the midfielder and that's all we've got time for on today's show the duopoly of Wenger of Ferguson of Arsenal and United remains we will see if it's can withstand the barrage of another big six, really, with the uh, Newcastle, Leeds, Liverpools and Chelsea's of this world. We'll find that out next week as we continue to celebrate the return of the Premier League. Join us next week and Sydney. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.